0: when we talk generational engagement we always seem to leave out generation x right we talk about the boomers in terms of what are they doing now where will they be going next the vacuum will be left how do we fill that vacuum we talk about that a lot and then we talk about emerging leadership when we talk young leaders we talk young, young you know, young young youth to many people are like 30s and under right there's millions of people that fall in between those two and, and we are, uh, very much present and we're very much involved.
1: My guest today at Mission Impact is Miguel Guadalupe. Miguel and I talk about why it's important for organizations not to forget Gen X when they're looking for their next leaders. I saw a post that Miguel put up on LinkedIn that went viral for LinkedIn standards, about a panel that he'd participated on that was focused on the generations and leadership. And as is often the case, the conversation was focused on the boomers retiring and the gap that is producing in leadership. And then when the conversation shifted to who's next, it was all about millennials and Gen Z. And as a fellow Gen Xer, the post caught my eye. I appreciated Miguel's point that Gen X has gifts to offer in leadership from our generation's experience, including living through and adapting to the number of major technological transitions that we've experienced over our lifetimes and careers. Certainly, no identity, whether generational or racial or ethnic or gender, is a monolith. And at the same time, there are common experiences that people can relate to. Mission Impact is a podcast for nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategy consultant. Mission Impact is brought to you by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting combines left-brain strategy and analysis with right-brain wisdom about human complexities for a proven whole-brain, whole-organization process, through which. Every stakeholder thrives. Reach out to us for support and facilitation of strategic planning, evaluating your impact, auditing your services for mission alignment, or simply getting an organizational assessment. We especially love working with staffed nonprofits and associations with human-centered missions. On this podcast, we explore how to make your organization more effective and innovative. We dig into how to build organizational cultures where your work in the world is aligned with how you work together as staff, board members, and volunteers. And all of this for the purpose of creating a greater mission impact. One note about this episode, uh, we talk a lot about technological changes and adapting to those, and ironically, this episode itself became a little bit of a case study for that. About halfway through my conversation, uh, my internet went out, so we had to stop recording. And when we rescheduled the interview, the audio that was recorded was unfortunately not good enough to publish and release. So instead, I paraphrased Miguel's points in the second half of the interview. You can read his actual words in the transcript, in the show notes, on our website, missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. Well, welcome, Miguel. Welcome to Mission Impact. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So I, I'd like to start out each conversation with um, what what drew you to the work that you do? What motivates you and what would you describe as your why?
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's so, as you know, I, I work for um, uh, the Bari Residence Committee or, or BRC. We're a uh, major nonprofit um, social services provider uh, in the New York City area. Um, and uh, what we do is we help those suffering from homelessness, uh, mental illness and addiction in, in the city. We have uh, you know we have about 35 programs where we we, we run the gamut from uh, uh, homeless outreach to uh, you know uh, addiction services and um, you know workforce training, shelters, uh, safe havens, permanent housing, transitional housing, the, the likes all the way to permanent, Affordable housing, which we're actually constructing and building for uh, for the formerly homeless as well as low income providers. Um, and I guess what motivates me in terms of this work is, you know, I've you know I grew up in in the city. I've seen you know you know from the seventies uh, you know, and uh, I've seen its highs, I've seen its lows, and um, you know, my family has been in the city for generations, and I've seen you know. How sometimes the institutions fail the community. um I've seen folks who you know have been homeless. Uh, I've seen folks who have uh, been lost to addiction. um and while you know, the beginning of my career was mostly in the corporate world in you know finance and and um and technology and consulting. um you know, I always had an affinity toward trying to figure out how I could potentially give back to you know those who 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 nobody looks after, who nobody cares really about. People people who other people just want to disappear, if you will. And um, I got an opportunity uh, at BRC to sort of merge, you know, my skill sets in terms of relationship management and and you know marketing and sales and stuff like that into helping provide, uh, you know, assist you know through development work. Helping the the organization help others, so helping to fund our programs, helping to, you know, uh, do the needful in terms of, um, uh, uh, you know, innovating and um, and 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 trying to solve the real problems that uh, that that is homelessness because homelessness is is the um, the symptom, it's not the actual disease. The disease. Right. Is a series of failures from our, from our institutions that allow people to fall through the cracks. Um, and that's what BRC is trying to help is, is to uplift, uh, lift those people up, uh, and provide them with the hope, uh, and dignity and empathy that they deserve, um, as they try to put their lives back together.
1: That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I relate with being kind of several layers away from the direct work of, of folks in the consulting that I do. But we connected actually through LinkedIn and um, you posted about an experience that you had had on a panel where you'd been invited to a panel discussing millennial recruitment onto boards of nonprofits. And your post that went viral by LinkedIn standards. Um yeah. Pointed out that the conversations about generations and engagement, whether on, le- on boards or in leadership development more generally often leaves out Generation X. And as a fellow Generation Xer, my, your post definitely caught my eye. So I'm curious if you could tell me just a little bit more about the panel that, that originally, um, sparked the post.
0: Right. So, um, it was a, you know, I, I was, I was at a conference and I was actually speaking at a panel and the panel had originally started with the topic of sort of generational engagement. Um, and so, you know, I was all about that because part of my job is in, in donor relations, managing different donor boards, um, which include our, you know, what others would call junior board. We call it a leadership council and that uh, uh, uh board, uh, you know, I manage and that is, you know, sort of mid, uh, beginning to mid tier, uh, level career, uh, professionals, um, which include multiple generations, right? And I also manage, uh, um, a couple of other donor cohorts, one that's a little more senior. And then there's like our, you know, our, our, you know, our team, uh, cohort, which, you know, folks who run the marathons for us and stuff like that. So, so I manage a couple of these donor cohorts and they are very diverse in terms of generations, um, you know, all, you know, recent graduates all the way up to, you know, mid-career professionals, et cetera. And so, uh, you know, I have a lot of experience with that. So I, you know, my initial intention was to be part of that panel to discuss how we engage all these different engagements. And as panels do, they often evolve. And then it evolved into millennial, you know, recruitment and engagement and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and this was kind of the second time that this had happened, uh, you know, uh, with this particular panel, because I think the the idea was that more people would be interested in this topic than just plain generational involvement. Right. So, so rather than say uh, my personality, rather than be like, okay, great. You know, I was like, well, no, I, I came here to talk about multiple generations. And so that's what I'm going to do. Um, And, you know, I, and, and I made the point to point out that when we talked, generational engagement, we always seem to leave out generation X, right? We talk about the boomers. We talk about the leadership, you know, we talk, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, what are they doing now? Where would they be going next? How, how, you know, what the vacuum will be left? How do we fill that vacuum? We talk about that a lot. And then we talk about emerging leadership and we talk young leaders. We talk young, young you know, young, young, young youth to, 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 uh, to many people are like thirties and under right um but there's a you know there's there's millions of people that fall in between those two and and we are uh very much present and we're very much involved um but it doesn't seem that that anyone seems to want to speak specifically um you know to that generation gen Gen X and and there's all these jokes about how we're Oh we're used to it you know we're the last key kids you know you know we know how to do our peanut butter jelly sandwiches and you know up our chef boyer cans for lunch I get that um but you know I think it's important because when you're absent from the conversation you're you're going to be decisions are made without you and when decisions are made without you then you 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 don't have the the input and those those decisions affect you right so if decisions in leadership whether the next sea level or the next you know vp or the next director is being decided in a uh, in a room where 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 generation x is not being considered as the future right um then guess what then they won't be part of that future and so you'll have an entire generation of people who are kind of stuck in middle management right um and who who don't move forward and just see people sort of leapfrog them into piece, into into uh into places of leadership. Um, And, you know, I I just wanted to make a point to say that there's a lot of skill in this generation, that there's a lot of energy and youthful, quote unquote, youthful energy in this generation still. uh, And that we have a particular skill set because we've always straddled sort of, you know, these two eras of sort of pre and post whatever, pre and post Y2K, pre and post computers, pre and post emails, pre and post, like the technology elevation that has been exponentially faster uh, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of iterations over the years, we remember before it, and we have been riding this wave consistently through it. Um, you know, I don't know a Gen Xer who doesn't remember having to start learning a particular technology, as opposed to just simply uploading the latest version, right? Um, and that's a skill set that, that many of us have. And and that I think is is important for companies to understand uh as a as a benefit as an asset uh you know as opposed to something to to just kind of ignore or take for granted
1: yeah i really appreciated that the perspective of the particular skills and persp- well perspective also that having gone through that shift because i i literally remember going to college with a typewriter And then after a semester, someone in my class saying, "Have you been to the computer lab?" Taking me there, (laughs) and uh, the 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 typewriter got put in the closet and eventually went home. But I never looked at it again. But yeah, just you know, and remembering the day that somebody um, called me into their office and said, "There's this new thing called the World Wide Web. Have you seen it? Let me show you a web page." You know, and, and all of those things. So we do have those memories and. And have experience, right, as you said, um, having to learn each of these things as they come. Um, I was thinking about, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about when the pandemic started and, you know, everything shut down. And folks um, who do the kind of work that I do uh, were used to doing everything in a room with people, facilitating, you know, analog, using post-it notes and of. Uh, Flip charts and all of that and, and markers. And I, I love all of those. I've got stacks of them in my office. But, mm-hmm. you know, having kind of, um, always jumped into new technologies, I was able to help people out to say, you know, you can do this online too. And you, there are lots of tools that are built to kind of replicate that kind of experience in the room and teaching people how to do that. So that ability, and it was an interesting combination of um, boomers and, and millennials who were in those classes that I was teaching, but it was it was fun to kind of be in the middle. What do you feel like is lost when conversations jump from boomers to millennials and Gen Z forgetting Gen X? Just as I was asking Miguel this question, my internet went out. We did reschedule the interview, but unfortunately the audio from our second conversation was not usable. So instead, I'm going to paraphrase what Miguel shared. To see his exact words, you can check out the transcript in the show notes. They will be his original words. I was asking what was lost when Generation X is skipped over in the leadership conversation. And he emphasized Generation X's capacity with managing transitions. As a generation, we've been through a lot of them especially the technology transition from analog to digital. Having navigated so many big transitions over the course of our careers, we are prepared and equipped to manage change. He posited that as a generation, we have seen many technologies come and go and so may not be as prone to jump to the new shiny thing, but take more of a wait and see approach to see how things pan out. And we expect change and transition and so are not so wedded to the way things have always been done. He also reflected on Generation X's tendency to look for community and commonality, appreciating folks' differences and looking for the commonality to solve problems. I asked him what he took away from the response that he received from his LinkedIn post, and he said he was struck by how many people were reporting the same thing the feeling of being overlooked in their career or being stuck seen as a utility player instead of someone with leadership potential, feeling invisible. I had that exact experience with a boss, a boomer about 10 years ago, who was talking to me about what was going to happen when he and his contemporaries were going to retire. He was wondering who was going to replace them and who would step into their shoes. Where was the pipeline? And as I was listening to him speak, I was thinking, hello, I am standing right here in front of you. Apparently you can't see me. Yet he also talked about, Miguel also talked about how folks seem resigned to it. It's been going on for so long since it's taken so long for boomers to retire. And he remarked that he was impressed with the agency that millennials and Gen Z take into their own hands and advocate for themselves. They're not taking this lying down. And his call to action for Gen Xers is to take a page from that book, to not just assume you will always be the understudy and to speak up for what you need and want for yourself and for your career. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to connect with Miguel, his full bio, the full transcript of our actual conversation, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com. I'd like to thank Isabel Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as Charde Carbonell of 100 Missions for her production support. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a colleague or a friend. We really appreciate you helping us get the word out. And until next time, Thank you for everything you do to contribute and make an impact.